Ah, Italy. Home to all sorts of treasures, I guess, or money and some magicians and a soccer player and a gang of thieves. You know what? At least I think I'll wear my blue jacket for this one. We're talking about Lupin the Third, part four. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to your new favorite show. My name is Drew, and we are here to talk about Lupin the Third, Part Four, The Italian Adventure, uh, which aired from uh, August to November uh, in, well, not the United States, but we'll get to that in a little while. Uh, but I can't do it alone. I need the go the Goemon who's always there for me. Miles, how are you, buddy? Doing pretty good. Um, I I'm really starting to get to to get into this week's episode just because I I feel like, and I was kind of curious if this w- was going to be how I feel because I'm not sure how Lupin fans feel, but I I feel the 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 more modern we get, the more I'm really into this franchise. Um, because I mean starting. <sighs> Starting with uh, the woman called Fujiko, you know, obviously the animation is a lot better than the prior series. Yes. But I also really love the sequential storytelling that we're getting more of. And I mean, and I loved Castle Cagliostro. I loved a lot of the episodes that we watched for the prior parts. And and watching those makes me appreciate what I'm currently watching but I have to say that I, I just get way more invested uh, just because also the storytelling is, I mean, more narratively mature. Now, I'm not talking about subject matter, but like the, the style of storytelling has changed over the decades. And and it feels much closer to what we are more used to. Well, it's yeah, it's 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 I think it's it's a better form of storytelling. I think it's more digestible. Not that. The storytelling in Lupin was uh bad before because they told some really great stories in part one two and three but for me i i think the 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 series we watched last week and part four that we watched this week like just feels so much better to watch so this is where i i'm not sure how i feel about it based on what we watch today because i think you're right about what you're saying and in fact uh Daryl Surratt of Otaku USA, when this show came out, called it the grand unification of Lupin styles, a bit dangerous like the originals, a bit silly like the 80s pink jacket series, a bit bizarre like the woman called Fujiko Mine, and a bit gentleman thief with a heart of gold like Castle Cagliostro. And I think that that is definitely true in the series in this. Again, we only watch five episodes. There are a whole lot more. Uh, episodes from from the season that we did not see but that's true but i will uh, say because there is a sequential arc going on i feel like we get more a sense of this series and what it's about in the chunk that we watch than we have 
maybe in other shows prior, with the exception of the woman called Fujiko. Yeah. And this one is is in a sequential order. You can't really watch these out of order like we did with part one, two and three. So it's a it's it is a situation where I think that there are some really strong episodes in here. I think there are some weaker episodes, and I think that there are some really weak moments in strong episodes, and vice versa. Uh, it, I'm kind of I'm kind of all over the place with this one, and let's see how we feel at the end of this conversation because there is stuff in this that I really really like. I just I worry, and this is my worry ahead of time, that based on what we watched, it's a little too much. A master thief with a heart of gold. I see. I did. I I disagree with that because I I certainly think he's not as uh, overtly lecherous as he certainly was in Fujiko Mine or uh, any parts else. <laughs> two. Well, parts two and three, really. Uh, but he he certainly still has that part of his character, I think he's just less of a, a sexual predator about it. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, sure. I'm not, I'm not talking about that specifically. And uh, <laughs> well, well, let's get into the episodes. And I think, cause I believe you and I have the same favorite episode. Oh, uh, for, I mean, I sent part. you a text and you're like, yeah, save it for the show. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start with part four, episode one, the marriage of Lupin the third, uh, the the gang is in the Italian town of San Marino uh, after uh, and Inspector Zinagata is there as well because he's gotten a note from Lupin the Third. But unlike Lupin's previous notes to Zinagata, this is an invitation to his wedding to Rebecca Rossellini, a hotel heiress slash influencer kind of yeah i mean i think she's supposed to be young for her station and so she is a kind of a combination of like yeah she's got bukus of wealth but she's also very much yeah young hip you know bore with her lifestyle kind of character and i i also i really like the twist with her character i Um, do as well because this episode ends with the realization and i'm just going to jump to the end because we're going to talk about some other stuff with uh them staying married lupin and and (laughs) rebecca are still married by the end of this episode which is pretty wild it's it's pretty hilarious because he'll keep popping up like hey what about those divorce papers you know and it's really really funny i think this is I think what works for me is it also feels like every part after the first, because in especially with the beginning of part two, where it's like, oh, you know, quote unquote, Lupin invites everyone to, you know, the the cruise ship. And there's always these like kind of reunion type episodes to start with. And I like that this kind of subverts that a little bit. Yeah. But it's also Lupin did invite everyone to this one place. Everyone just happened to stay in this one place because this entire season is like this Italian job kind of the season. Yeah, which so I, I did a little bit of research on this, but uh, not a ton. So it, I'm sorry, Italian fans, but the, uh, Italy and Lupin have a very interesting relationship because Lupin aired there as one of the first places that Lupin aired outside of Japan. And it got very, very popular. Uh, to the point where a lot of the a lot of the uh, you know a lot of the outside Japan fans are Italian and setting this entire series this entire part in Italy uh, it actually aired in Italy first 
if you can believe that. Uh, it, I don't know if the whole series did, but they definitely started airing it before they aired it in 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 Japan itself, uh, even down to some of the weirdness. And again, I watched this. I watched this season dubbed because uh, I like the dub cast for this. And I, I think you well, you watched it subbed, Miles. Yeah, um, Crunchyroll does not have the option for for uh, dubbed for this this particular season. And, Otherwise, and, I would have because I, I do like the dubbed cast a lot. And interestingly, Amazon Prime only has the dub version. And you're wondering, why is there only sub in some cases and only dub in other cases when both exist? Well, they dubbed it in Italian first and they dubbed it in Japanese last. So there were some some changes made to animation styles to the script between the initial Italian dubbing and the final Japanese dubbing to the point where the audio tracks do not sync up. You're technically watching two different, you know, passingly different yeah. episodes. Um, and, and, and the American version, uh, the English version is actually based on the Italian version, not on the Japanese version. So, you can only I can't I, I wish I had known that prior to watching them all because I would have watched, you know, I would have seen some of the differences. I would have made it some time. And, you know, it does not surprise me that Lupin is very popular in Europe. I mean, I, the series has always had a very specifically European style from its bond and, you know, you know uh, spy sort of storytelling at the beginning to even a lot of their their their. Um, their capers and stuff. It always feels very, very European. The Castle I mean, Cagliostro, the most well-known uh, Lupin movie, very European. I mean, um, Lupin drives a Fiat. I mean, it's very, yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's a very European. And this, and, and speaking of this show is a really great marriage of the amazing hyper stylized uh, style of uh, the woman called Fujiko and that kind of classic Lupin style mixed with that pastoral uh, Miyazaki style of Castle Cagliostro because the the actual shots of the Italian cities and towns here are phenomenal. Yeah. Th throughout this show. And um, but yeah, to, to get into to, you know, that first episode, there is this really fun bit where like, oh, yeah, he's trying to steal like the basically the, the crown. Of yeah. So so San, San Marino and I did not investigate whether San Marino is a real place in Italy. <laughs> didn't didn't look it up. I didn't bother. Uh, but uh, there are. But this town is sort of a collection of like. Nobles, uh, they, you know, they don't really have a, a king or a queen, but there is sort of the shared crown between all of these, you know, kind of royal families, for lack of a better term, of which Rebecca Rossellini is one of them. And Lupin plans to steal this crown, the royal crown of Libertas, which he will only have the opportunity to do because it only emerges from a vault at this special ceremony that takes place the day after one of these nobles is married. So, of course, he sweeps Rebecca off her feet and she very quickly agrees to marry him. <laughs> and uh, and of course, the caper ensues. But because we have a lot of stuff to talk about, the thing that I love most about this episode, and I wish that this was more present in what we watched, is the character. I would I would imagine it pops up. I mean, because there's what, uh, 26 episodes in this season? Well, but there's two seasons of part 
of part two or excuse me, part four. So there's 12 and 12, I think, or 13 and 13. Yeah, but, but a total of like 26. It's 24, it's 12 and 12. But uh, I'm, why am I seeing 26? There were some, oh, spe- there were some specials, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. she only plays a part in the first 12. I think she has a cameo in, in the second 12. But bored with her life, Rebecca decides that she wants to become a master thief. And what better way to become a master thief than stealing the crown right out from under Lupin the third, <laughs> which by the way, she accomplishes. Yes, yeah, it's, it's great. <laughs> it's so much fun. She's so like, she's got a really cool look too. Like she's definitely, mm-hmm. she definitely plays younger, but she's got this, she's she's uh blonde but she's got like these green green uh, highlights but highlights I, it, in her hair. It, it looks like the lighting but you're also like does she have green and blue in her hair? and, and, I, I, and might be, I might be mistaken i think she's actually in more of part four but she is only in one episode of part five sorry excuse me for, for oh that's that's fine that. um because that's the the french adventure or whatever um and and, he, and i think specifically the animation of um Rebecca is it feels the most I think like the woman called Fujiko like the 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 lines around her the dark lines around her are thicker in terms of the the animation and you know the hair is a lot more stylized uh, and Fujiko also seems like her hair is a lot more stylized whereas obviously you know your other three male thieves kind of and they, they look like how they're supposed to look well for the and, most part and this is another thing that we have to talk about because this is the first I mean Fujiko Mine, I, the woman called Fujiko Mine. It's it's when I say Fujiko Mine, I'm talking about the show. When I just say Fujiko, I'm talking about the character. Let's make that or let's make that a a, pro, a broadcast, a proclamation, <laughs> because okay. uh, the Fujiko Mine show had a really great style to it, but it was a style kind of of the 1960s. In a lot of ways, I mean, it was, but the actual animation style was very much that red line, right? But, but style, yes, for sure. But what I, but when I say here, though, when I talk about style, the characters in this show are styled based around 2014, 2015. They are contemporary looking in a way that they that we they haven't are, seen, but. They still dress and look the same as they always have. Even Fujiko, I, she still I'm, has I'm talking, that kind of. Build I'm talking of, more not not our not our main characters who very much wear the costumes of like you look at you look you're at you're talking about everyone else around them. Yes, you look at Rebecca Rossellini and she looks like a character from 2014. You yeah, look, yeah, yeah, you look yeah. at no, you know, this character, that character. Obviously, Lupin has changed because he's wearing a very sharp blue jacket. I like the blue jacket. A lot. I like the blue jacket a lot. Um, uh, you know what? You say that, but then and I know we're skipping, but when we get to um. Uh, hold on, me. The I'm trying to find the 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 name of the magician's left hand. All the the circus folk very much feel like it's a weird circus twentieth century. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the fact that anybody cares about a circus uh, in 2015 um, is it's. I mean, thing. I mean, yeah. But at the same time, I mean, apparently this was a very like famous like magician and um i don't know th- those things matter in small yeah, countries i we'll, guess we'll I'd... get we'll get to that episode 
Uh, but but I mean, how I, I feel do you about agree that there is a, a modern in a modernity about this show? But I think the setting also allows you to all kind of have your cake and eat it too with the style because you you do have some of the locals who feel who feel a little bit maybe not mid twentieth century, but like the entire time, but certainly older old country style. Um, well, and, well, and, and it, it also helps that the the animation quality is so good that the this. The sort of these Italian towns that they're in, they feel very, you know, alive, alive, you know, rustic Italian towns. It's very, very. It works. It works really well. Um, but so yeah. uh, we, we go we go to our, our next episode, which is the uh, the fake fan uh, fantastica, <laughs> the fake fa- fantasista, which I don't know what that means. I, I don't know um, what that means either. But basically, a Fujiko has picked up a a soccer player who's very very popular, who is being threatened by the mob to uh, throw his or not show up for his next game, which also which also will... happens to be the Coppa Italia final, <laughs> right? <laughs> the the you know final uh, game of of the Italian league. Um, or they will show uh, medical records that will prove that he has uh, been doping. And uh, essentially, Lupin, it's not that he gets duped into it, but Fujiko certainly eggs him on. But we find out that there's also a reason that he agreed so, to do it. So this this episode, I, I didn't love this episode. I, uh, I did. <laughs> so, uh, so one... I, you know, this, this is very much a, this is a, a master thief with the heart of gold episode. Only you don't know it until the very end. Um, because Lupin discovers and Lupin doesn't want to do it. He does not want to, to, to participate in stealing these, stealing this blackmail material until he gets in a fight with the dude in the bathroom of the bar that they're in. And he dodges, uh, he dodges a, a punch and then he has a look on his face and it's like he's noticed something, but they don't tell you yeah. what that is yet. Which I love that. I love that. You know something he know you know, he notices something, but. I, I, it's, it's a really great visual thing where you 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 understand that something happened, but they, they don't tell you yet. I, I, I love the storytelling in this episode, to be honest. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, you might convince me otherwise, but the other the other side of that is. We are introduced to the so the, and again maybe it's because you watched it in Japanese and I watched it in English where I did not love the characterization of the crime boss in the in the uh, uh the crime boss. How, that, how was he in the dub? Uh, he was played very effeminate. Oh, he was not played that way in the Japanese at all. Yeah, that's how <laughs> he, he was played as like very gruff and older and just kind of like, if you don't do this, you know, you happens kind of yeah. thing. Like it, it was very much not played for for lulls. It was played. It was played uh, like that. And where the guy didn't even know anything about soccer. He just cared about winning because he bought the team. And I don't know. It, it's a whole thing. Uh, but so this, this is another another thing that we're introduced here. And we don't really I didn't clock it at first because we're introduced to a character called Nix. Um, and again, this is going to play a part later. Um, Nix NYX is basically James Bond. Um, though we don't really know that yet. We just know he works for British intelligence. Um, yeah. 
And that I will have a lot to say about that in the next episode as well. Uh, but yeah, basically what Lupin's figured out is that the 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 soccer player, Brosie, uh, is bl- is going blind and he's taking these drugs to stave off his blindness because when he goes blind, he can't play. So, oh, he's not really doping. It's not like he's taking it's just like, steroids. It's, it's, the, it's the drugs that he takes uh, in the amount that he does can trigger certain things on the tests that make it look similar to doping. And Which, I, 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 mean, actually, I really like this story. Like, I like the lower, the quote unquote lower stakes stories. I like the the people in the street stories when they do with uh, with Lupin. I, I know you you were telling me that you don't like how it feels like there's no stakes in some of these episodes. And like, and, and the one question I have and we, we, I mean, I'm the only way I can answer it is if I continue to watch more, which I probably will with this and, and the woman called Fujiko, because I think they're both really excellent. Yeah, uh, I'm halfway um, through uh, episode six of woman called Fujiko Mine, and that that episode is wild. <laughs> I believe <laughs> but anyway. it. But I'm also like, you know, having watched so much Lupin at this point, not so much, but having watched a good chunk of Lupin at this point, I, I can't help but wondering, why are they still here? I mean, like the entire time I'm like, they're still here. Why? So that is there is going to be a larger story that plays out. Over the yes, course of this 100 percent. I know we're going to find that out it's just in the first uh, five episodes. We, we, we don't. And so, like, I'm like, why? Why, why are they still here? Well, that, so so that, there, there is that question that does kind of, I think, possibly weigh down some of these smaller stories, because one, I don't. Th- just personally, I don't find the thief of the heart of gold uh, derogatory thing uh, when when Lupin does do no, it. See, I don't hate it either. I love Castle Cagliostro, for example. I I just there are well, so, there, there's there's that done well, and there's that done not as well. And there's this episode uh, the episode two is not as as damning as you know a, a, another episode that that pops up, but. I do want to talk about episode three because we're getting into the larger story of the season here because episode three, we were introduced to this character Nix in, in episode two, but he takes center stage in episode three, 0.2% chance of survival as basically he outclasses Lupin every step of the way Mm -hmm. to this thing he wants to steal. I mean, until he doesn't. But the, uh, so again, you watch this in Japanese and I watch this in English. So the Nix isn't a British. He's basically James Bond, as I said before. Yeah. He is a British MI6 agent and he's got a team of MI6 agents uh, that are all over San Marino supporting this this process. Miles. Yeah. The English dub of this episode has. Mm-hmm. The worst British accents I have ever heard. Oh no! It is. Uh, it do is. yourself a favor and just listen to like thirty seconds of the Crunchyroll dub because Nick sounds like a freaking murderer. Yeah, like he 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 honestly sounds kind of like a Terminator, and 
so I can see why how if if they have this weird, wacky British accent that that's not going to play well, because in the version I watched, he plays as a stone cold killer. Basically, it's, how James Bond is supposed to be played. It's not and, it's not that they have wacky accents. It's that they have no accents or accents that come and go or they just it doesn't. It sounds like American voice actors who are who I've heard in many other projects failing to do british accents and that is just sad oh tears the kingdom (laughs) (laughs) but um no so in in the japanese dub i mean he sounds like a stone cold killer and that probably plays as to why i like this episode so much because like the entire time not only has he got looping on his toes but he is calculating about it and because he plays it in this cold and callous tone it just works because he just he's keep he keeps coming after Lupin. And when you have that voice and and those actions combined, it really works because that's why I was like, man, this this guy's a real threat. This adds some real tension to what's going on. But if you don't have a great voice in that role, I can see that how that would deflate that entirely. Yeah, well, I mean, his I, would, voice, I, would, I would actually recommend watching that episode in Japanese and see how you feel about it. If they had called them CIA agents, wouldn't have had a problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, because they're trying to do that, the kind of Lupin versus Bond type thing. And 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 we we also get some sense of there's a bigger story involving MI6. Involved somehow in in this italian story that we're, we're seeing yeah. um uh, I, 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 I really I also, like this I, it's weird that he had this like daredevil power which i i was like okay that's fine but yeah. i was also like so, so basically lupin is trying to steal uh the the a uh, piece of a necklace Marie Antoinette's from, like piece of necklace from marie antoinette which by the way one of the people this is a real thing uh and it's actually based on an on a f- you know, original French Arsène Lupin story, the Queen's Necklace. But one of the people who was prosecuted uh, in the affair for that necklace was uh, Giuseppe Balsamo, also known as Count Cagliostro. Oh, there's mm-hmm. a fun little reference. There's a, there's a... I, I appreciated that a lot. <laughs> but uh, but... They, they, they bring that up uh, more than once in this episode, which I thought was fun. Yeah. Uh, so as part of this, so so Lupin kind of sneaks into the sewers underneath San Marino and Nix keeps following him and Nix knows where all of the exits to the sewers are. So he will use his super hearing daredevil powers to hear Lupin run towards an exit. He'll go up, drive his fancy car, his Knight Rider car. Uh, to it's a pretty dope car <laughs> to the other exit and catch him as he as he uh, escapes and it's, and it's at this point that I'm like Lupin you've clocked that he can hear really well why don't you make your way towards an exit wait for him to leave and then run to another exit which is exactly what he did five minutes later <laughs> <laughs> well but, I mean he was yeah he was still figuring it out and you know in the meantime like you know Jigen gets you know captured and tortured um uh, Rebecca is uh, Rebecca is in this episode as well and she is entertaining uh basically the Prince Harry of <laughs> of the, yeah, the third and, version and, of England and thinks she's playing a real role in this whole caper where <laughs> 
all she's doing is like reacting to fireworks. Yeah. So that's that's another thing that I didn't love about this episode is that Deus Ex Machina of the of the fireworks show was a little too convenient when it comes to the timing of everything. Um, so also in the Japanese version, they flat out explain like that, that whole plan. Like there's a there's a line early on. Um, and and then when he fully explains his plan, was looping off and does like, oh, no, no, this he had told Rebecca that like, oh, there's going to be an actual um, threat on someone's life. And, you know, I need I need you to like, you know, play the part. And so she thinks that like there's going to be real violence and it's just fireworks. Yeah, uh, I don't know. So again, as I said in the in the intro, some of this stuff works really well for me. And some of this stuff does not. Um, I think if I do watch more of part four, I will switch to the Japanese language. I, you know, it's so weird because I I typically am like, yeah, I'm a dub guy. But uh, with this series, at least so far, I think I made the, the right choice. You really um, did. With because I think that that definitely it certainly helped me with uh, episode two. And I, I don't know what the voices like were in English, but I do have I have a question for you, uh, Drew. Uh, why are Jigen episodes always the best? Miles, I was literally about to ask you this very self-same question. <laughs> why like, are Jigen episodes always the best? And so this like, is part four, episode four with a gun in my hand. Uh, and this episode, best episode of what we watched, it is the best episode of what we watched. This episode balances some of that part three humor with some of the part one and part two, like Jigen backstory stuff. Um, Wait, what humor? With the with the toothache, he's he's got a toothache. Oh, yeah, he's got a toothache. But the, so they, they don't they don't really play that one for, for laughs as much in the Japanese version. It's just like, oh, yeah, my tooth hurts. He's just like, ah, I'm in pain. Ah, just give me something, Doc. So Jigen uh, is, <laughs> has a horrible toothache and he goes to this hospital um, to to get help uh, because there's we find out later there's not a dentist for like a two hour drive or something like. Yeah, that. 50 kilometers is what they say in uh, the Japanese version. So. Uh, but while he's while he's, you know, seeing the doctor, uh, she notices his gun and she reaches for it to take it away from him because you can't have a gun in a hospital. And he quickly grabs his gun and points it at her, which triggers the course of events. And that in which, the which at one point you're like, you know, fair, like he pulls a gun on the doctor in the hospital, no matter what happened. I'm like, no, nah, this this makes sense that it would get back to somebody. Yes, exactly. So throughout this episode we learned that there is a, a gang boss named eric who uh is basically running this town right now His i laughed so hard when they're like eric will find out and i'm like eric <laughs> yeah it's a little silly your, your stone cold killer is eric and then he, you know he basically looks like rufus from street fighter five <laughs> or four oh, no five that's funny uh so four. but but with that said, um, he, so Eric, the way he runs and we see this happen uh, slightly earlier in the episode, the way he runs the town is that if you are in that town, his guys are allowed to have a gun. But without his permission, no one else can have a gun. So he goes right. after anybody that has a gun and basically shoots them 
but does it in such a precise with with his entire gang and basically does it in such a precise way that they go to the hospital and the doctor uh uh dr levia i think her name is um yeah she is good enough to save them but not good enough to heal them fully because there are yeah, so she many calls of the, them like the the unkilling killer or something like that the, in the japanese it, it, they basically call them the 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 living corpses or the living so the they, they, they call the people the living corpses but like she calls eric and and his his gang uh like the the unkilling killers because they're so precise they don't kill you but they also take your life away they translated that differently but i'll be honest i cannot uh it, it doesn't matter. Like I, I, I'm, I, I feel like no matter how this one's played, I don't know what kind of voice Eric had. I'm sure it's probably similar to the Japanese one in this case. But like this, this episode is a great Jigen episode. Jigen always have that has that kind of more so than Lupin. You know, he's got a conscious to him, especially when he put he's put in this kind of situation. You also get introduced to this old man. Uh, is it is it Nico? Uh, Nino. Nino. Um who uh is a great little uh, supporting character and as everything about this like this this singular episode this happens a lot with jigen episodes like this singular episode could have been a full-length movie this could have been a jigen movie um interestingly enough in the background in the hospital a lot of the characters that are in that hospital are actually character models that uh, character designs that they reused from lupin the third part two back in the 70s they just that's awesome it's pretty neat to to see that but yeah because because and and i think and again this is something that richard epcar voice of bato from ghost in the shell standalone complex well all all the ghost in the shells that have been dubbed in english um he he was the vocal he was actually the voice director for the dub of this of this season uh and of course he is the voice of jigen in this and he just he does a great Jigen voice. Yeah, I, I like him as Jigen. I, I, mean, I didn't off. hear him in this episode, but I kind of want to go back and watch this one in English because I do like his Jigen a lot. And what I love about how they write Jigen stories is um, he doesn't always feel like he's following uh, some kind of code because they give him a reason that he can say out loud, oh, I've just got to get my gun back. But you know exactly why he's going. Yes. He, can, he can get another gun, um, even though he's married to that 357 Magnum. But he's going to end this problem. But I just love the way that they play that. It's entirely unsaid. And I think that's what's so good about Jigen stories is I think Lupin, they often want to announce that he's the latter character. But with Jigen, they allow these 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 subtleties to kind of seep into the story and give you something a little more meat on that bone, if you will, just because it feels lived in and when i say that there are stakes this is an episode that has stakes you have people getting shot you have people that are getting hurt in a way that you don't often have that's every episode to be honest (laughs) but it's but it's not especially in 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 part four like you i think jigen is the only one that's pulled a gun in what we've watched i mean no uh there uh uh, Lupin fired a gun at, at uh, Nick's. Oh, there were guns in that episode, in, weren't there? In the in the church. Yeah, that's right. I guess that is true. But anyway, but in this episode, and again, it the, it it ends in a way that is just 
very hyper violent and very cool. <laughs> yes. In that Jigen being a master marksman knows what these guys are doing. Cause he's talked to the doctor about this and he knows that if he moves in a certain way, he can avoid getting shot. And because they're yeah. shooting at him in a circle, they're going to shoot the guys yeah. on the other side. He, he is also Neo from the matrix. Because yeah, exactly. he just <laughs> bullet times. It. And it's, but it plays so well because yeah, they, they showcase that like, what a master and it kind of bums me out because sometimes they, they have Jigen kind of play the the chump partner like getting caught and stuff but it's also like how can someone get the drop on him when he can do this you know um, right exactly but but yeah this is great because like all of eric's men kill themselves and Jigen has his gun he, he's uh putting the bullets in eric's you know obviously without his men and everything and he's again, pleading for his life. And the way they animate this is again, something they could not do in the seventies or eighties. No, way this- no, no, this is, this is a, a testament to modern anime for sure. And, the, and, and I would also say mirroring this is Zanagata, who's just also there and knows exactly what happened, but he's also playing like he's just giving a theory. And then and, just saying and narrating what's happening. And, it's so good. And because Zenigata has some respect for what has happened here and, mm-hmm. and, and knows that Jigen has taken somebody really bad off the off the streets, off the board. Yeah, off the board. because Jigen was going to walk away and Eric pulls an Uzi on him for whatever reason. And, you know, obviously doesn't hit Jigen. Jigen looks up shoots the chain holding this gigantic chandelier which comes crashing down ending the terror of eric which i wish they gave him a better name than that (laughs) (laughs) oh and it's just it's simply a shame that we have to move on from episode four to episode five the magician i like episode five episode five feels more like an episode of the woman called fujiko without the I mean, obviously, it's certainly not sexual, but there is a lot of that show in this one. And I love that they kind of keep you in this narrative until the reveal at the end. And and it's it's just it's one of those things where I just couldn't connect with the narrative because it was because it was so obvious, like. Well, as a Dick Grayson fan, I have a I have an affinity for orphan circus performers. And, you know, I felt for Luca. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I I don't know. I like the story. I mean, yes, it really doesn't feel like it has any bearing. But I feel like at the end of this episode, don't isn't Nick's have a cameo saying something about like. Uh, oh, they're still here and the, the phase must go on or something like that. Oh, we didn't even talk about the end of episode uh, episode uh, three, where where Nix is getting this download of information called about the, something called the dream of Italy in his. That's, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. B- by the oh, way, I happened another episode. That's the that that is the overarching story for this part. Right. Is the what the dream of Italy is. And we don't know what that is. I I, I only know that it is a thing that plays a part in the rest of the season but i didn't look up what it was but anyway back back to uh back to uh, episode five um where obvious uh obvious magician is evil and killed his dad um yeah i mean the the thing is and this is something this this show does a lot we've mentioned that you know 
the the moment where Lupin sees that the footballer has something wrong with him, and we don't we don't find out. When we're told this this tragic death story of the um, the former master magician was it Tony? Um, yeah, master magician Tony. I mean that 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 <laughs> does feel kind of like a magician's name. I mean it's um, better than Eric, I guess. But yeah, uh, Luke is a better name for a magician. But um, <laughs> w- yeah, you get this background shot of Tony's biological son kind of staring daggers at his father, at, who is gifting his, his insights about magic to um the young like circus hand luca and we also find out that like he was some master magician who told his secrets to no one and no one's been able to figure out his tricks and the, the only person who the knows 100 secrets is, he has 100 right. secrets the only person who knows anything is luca and fujiko shows up one day and as as, as audience members who, who knows Fujiko? Well, we know why she's here. Yeah. But we we see the story take place where she kind of um, starts a, a relationship, but also like is kind of helping Luca find out who he is. Um, there are moments where she does seem she does at least seem to care about him. Yeah. And uh, that that that's the aspect of the story that I really did enjoy. I mean, the entire time we know that Fujiko's got an angle because she's got an, always got an angle. My um, my favorite part of this episode is when uh, Jigen and uh, Lupin are interviewing him. <laughs> yes, when Jigen and Lupin Lupin just has slightly shaggier hair and glasses, and uh, and and Jigen is wearing a red baseball cap, looking like a looking like a, a sports reporter. Yeah, it's hilarious to me. It's very funny, and they're saying what the audience is thinking, and I do love that they write that story to me so well that. I'm not saying they convinced the audience that Fujiko's not being like doing what she does, but they write a convincing enough story that, you know, when when the the end of the of the story, it really is that uh, Luca decides to join up with some other troop and who's like a mainstream media troop and well, well, will before, perform his. Before we get there, we do have to talk about the real the the sort of episode opener that the, the episode begins in medias rays where we see fujiko burned tied, alive at the stake tied to burned alive at the stake um and and we we learn that she has at the end that she has figured out that he had given uh tony's son the ringmaster a fake plan because he thought he was going to do the trick and was going to end up killing himself as a part of it um, because he knows that the ringmaster killed Tony out of jealousy. Right. <sighs> anyway. Yeah. So I, I skipped over all that mostly because like, you know, it does ring, you know, of like the story that you think it does, but, but, but what but, I thought was I, really was, fun. What I, what I liked about that was this, this repeated thing that Tony had taught to Luca that your right hand, this right hand is the hand that has the magic. And the left hand is the hand that has the ability to deceive. Yeah. And and Fujiko figured it out when he handed the instructions to the plan with his left hand and not his right hand. I liked and, that a lot. And I, I liked it again. I, as I said, I didn't love this episode. I thought this episode was extremely predictable and I didn't particularly enjoy the 
like i kind of like the circus performer weirdness of it all but yeah but anyway. I, I i enjoyed that but i also really liked that you know we all know that that Fujiko must have had an angle and they play it off the ending like okay that's it and then you find out she was hired by one of the troops to convince Luca to come over to their side. And I really exactly. love that and reveal. Again, I really like that reveal, too. And it's like I said, this season is I'm very uh, of, the, of part four so far of what we watch. I'm very up and down on it because there are some amazing things in some episodes I didn't love. And there are some things I didn't love in some amazing episodes and it's I'm very hot and cold all over this place. Uh, and that is one of them. I loved that reveal at the end. I loved the, the right hand, left hand thing. And just the fact that she, she is just trying to sell his contract to this, this talent agent and then leaves with a, a suitcase full of euros. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I'm really into this season. I will likely try to, to, to finish it off just like with, with Fujiko. I'm, I, I'm really loving modern Lupin a lot. And I, I say that because I think obviously the, the modern sensibilities of storytelling that has uh, evolved over time, I think has really helped the character, but I also think the shows that we're getting and deciding to be a little, like, I love that both shows, the woman called Fujikamine and loop in the third part four are serialized narratives that still feel like episodic television. Mm. And that's really great because we're, we're getting an ongoing narrative where we're interested in what's happening in this arc, but we're also getting very individual stories. Nothing bled together too much and in either show. And like I said last week, while I think it's important to have some sort of context who these characters are, um, more so with the woman called Fujiko, maybe a little bit less so uh, is necessary for Loop in the Third Part 4, but because I appreciate that we've watched parts one, two, and three and a film. So I have a grasp of these characters, but modern Lupin is shaping up to be my favorite. Uh, one of my favorite moments of, of what we watch, because Jigen does not factor in particularly heavily in in this in what we watch so far. He's going on, really. I mean, I'm going on is what I'm talking about. Going on. Jigen factors in a lot. Going on is who I'm talking about. Thank you for correcting me uh, and calling <laughs> me on that. Uh, going on doesn't factor in, but. In the first episode, I'm going back to the first episode. He's just mad because he got Lupin a wedding gift and he doesn't know what's going to happen to it because he doesn't know whether the wedding actually happened or not. And it's very funny. And I think it is, that is very funny. That's so good. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think the wedding episode was hilarious. It's a great opener for the for this series. I'm really looking forward to seeing how it plays out. Um, I, I I'm, love... I'm honestly, I'm only mad that I know rebecca does not appear in part five or part six because i mean I don't know. i'm not that upset because i mean it's... i don't think this series makes ongoing characters i mean we also don't have oscar in this series well oscar was only in a woman called fujigamine and uh may not survive that season i don't know never uh, see him again. possibly that's but, true but like i but what i mean is the character outside of our core five with uh you know fujiko Goemon, Lupin, and Zenigata. No one else really carries over frequently. But I'm just saying, it's it's the 20 teens. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time. I, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, I think that 
I mean, it depends on how how received uh, some of these characters were and what happens to them. Um, you know, I, I would I would definitely be curious. To, I would like to see some of these characters again. I like Rebecca. I think she's a lot of fun. Yes. Um, uh, her, I, her English dub voice is the same dub voice as the uh, character Morgana, the talking cat from Persona Five, which is very funny. But uh, oh, that's fun. I mean, she's got the, she's got that kind of voice in in the Japanese as well, so that that makes sense. Um, I, I also enjoy that this feels a little bit more like loop and we, we, we did get an email, uh, from Kyle last week and, uh, who brought up a lot of things that we did, uh, last week as well about the, the bebop vibe of a woman called Fujiko and how Fujiko definitely feels like Faye Valentine, which especially that series really, really did. Um, I, I think that this, this particular series especially a post bebop series does a really good job of feeling specifically like loop in the third and less like a show that inspired another show and then continues to like feel like the other show, you know, it feels less like bebop to me. And I think that might've been a conscious effort on their end to, you know, I think everyone kind of, kind of knows that like, okay, these characters heavily influenced one of the most important anime shows in the modern era. If we make our new Lupin show feel too much like that show, I feel like it's going to be perceived as a watered down version of Lupin. And I I think they might've made a conscious effort to kind of shy away from some of the bebopisms in part four and and lean more into some of the things that are specifically looping if that makes sense well i mean it's tough to say because we haven't seen parts five or part six but the fact that parts five and part six exist right is a kind of a testament to to the the popularity of the character moving forward uh because part six i think aired up until 2022 if i remember correct. yeah i think so uh, it's still very new and uh, and they're still, you know, I don't know if they're doing a part seven or if they're doing another season of part six. Um, but Lupin has has maintained a good bit of popularity. Obviously, the the pandemic has has changed a lot of the production of stuff. Um, right. But but so so, Miles, as we as we round out our conversation, uh, final thoughts on the first five episodes of Lupin, the third part four. I, feel, I, I kind of feel like I just gave it. Um. You did. So I'm, I'll, I'll just say I. <laughs> yeah, you I, go for it, buddy. So as much as I kind of ragged on this part in a way, I think it's because. Uh, it, it's it's weird because, you know, we, we talked about on part three. I, I kind of feel a lot about part four, what I felt about part three. I liked the stories in part three, but it was a little too goofy in some parts or the animation was just weird in some parts. And while that's not the problem in part four, I think I'm very up and down on where the story is because it's and again, we only watched five episodes, but, you know, it feels a little it feels a little safer in the way that they tell the stories than than I feel like they have in the past. I didn't find you just myself miss all that nudity. It's not even that. It's just I don't find myself <laughs> being particularly surprised by the story that they're telling. I mean, I never I never feel like I need to be surprised by these Lupin stories. I mean, sometimes they they do a really good job. Sometimes they uh, you know are are pretty predictable. But I think part of the fun is 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 the character stuff. And 
And for me, in 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 this particular season, it works. I, I know you you said it didn't play as as well for you. And, and again, part of that. Um, and then we both, be... we both agree that the Jigen episode is uh, as, oh, spot as on. top two. as every 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 season that we've watched. The Jigen episode is a standout. Yeah, uh, and, and makes again, you wonder why he doesn't have his own show. <laughs> well, there is uh, uh, there's a movie, right? Dicey K. Jigen's gravestone, uh, which is yeah. A, we, it's a spinoff. I think it was. An, I don't know if it's a TV movie. Spinoff of uh, Fujiko, right? But it's a spinoff of the Fujiko Mine show, um, directed by uh, my boy Koiki, who the uh, Koike, the uh, the Red Line director. So, yeah, I, um, I I very much want to watch that because I I would love to see Koike doing just a full on Jigen. But see, I I don't even know if it's if it's I know it's a focused on Jigen, but I know that. Um, Lupin and Fujiko are in that show, so I don't know how or in well, that the, film, so I don't know how were, focused that is. There were three of them. There was one based on Goemon, one based on Jigen, and one called Fujiko Mine's Lie. Right, uh, but I don't. But again, I think again, all three characters are in all three movies, aren't they? I don't actually know. I presume so because it's a Lupin project. But you know, you know, right? Um, speaking of a though a a project that all of the characters are involved in and what we are going to watch for next week uh, miles and i got really interested i honestly all of us watching lupin these past two months has been because of this the trailer for the cg animated film lupin the third the first this trailer came out when I was not paying attention to Lupin the Third stuff. I was aware of the character. I think I may have known that the Blue Jacket series existed, um, but this came out of seemingly nowhere for me. It is a CG animated project, the only CG animated Lupin project, uh, unless you count a video game. <laughs> and the trailer looked really good. <laughs> and the trailer looked really good. And it it it, it uh, aired in theaters in Japan in 2019. It came to America in October of 2020. Uh, and I obviously I wasn't going to a movie theater anytime in that time. So it it just kind of fell off my radar as something to see. But this is seemingly a prequel, some kind of prequel story or early story starring Lupin and his crew as they go after a uh, it's it's set in the Showa era uh, and they go after this item that Lupin's grandfather failed to steal in his day. Uh, and it is all about that story. It is it has gained a lot of, of popular reviews, uh, both in Japan and in America. And it has been compared. The, the framing of it has been compared to Castle of Cagliostro, which is interesting. Um, but uh, that's what we are going to watch next week. Lupin the third, the first. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to watch this. Uh, also, the writer and director of this film is doing the new Japanese Godzilla movie that's coming out this fall. So I am I'm very, very curious to see this. I've actually seen one of his early films that was a hyper stylized science fiction action movie called Returner. You probably don't remember the movie, Drew, but you probably saw the blue of the DVD at Best Buy a lot in the early 2000s. 
Um, uh, you know what? Let me look at it real quick. Wait, look at the oh, DVD that, cover. That R logo. I definitely have seen yeah. that R logo. Yeah, you absolutely 100%. saw it. <laughs> I, I remember. I cannot tell you anything about the movie. I remember kind of liking it, but I don't remember anything else about it. But uh, finding out the, that this is. He did the 2010 Space Battleship Yamato uh, live action movie that yes. has the Aerosmith song in it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I am I am very excited to to check this out. I mean, like like you said, you know, we saw this trailer and we're really taken by it. And um, I'm I'm really excited to to check out a, a fully just a, again, like even with Casa Cagliostro, excited to watch a fully digestible movie. I will be watching this on Hulu, which I think has the dub. I think well, Hulu huh. is the only place that this is streaming in the United States as we have this conversation right now. Um, so okay. I, I, I don't know if that changed when we were planning things. I feel like it was in more places. I feel before. like it was like everywhere for like a, a month at one point. Um, I'm sorry to go back. This is just a I went down a nerd rabbit hole while we were having this conversation. Returner uh, stars an actor named Takeshi Kaneshiro. Are you familiar with mm-hmm. this actor? Uh, Takeshi yes. Kaneshiro is known for house of flying daggers and the crossing and the warlords and but he is also the voice and face model for samonosuke akechi in the onimusha games (laughs) so that's where i went with that that is another reason why i know that uh I, I know that. But yeah, again, no, I, don't I, know I just, it was one of those movies that just seemed ever present in the sci-fi section of like your 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 Best Buys and your Suncoasts. And I I don't know if I owned it, but I I certainly saw it. And I 100 percent saw that that poster all the time. Um, but I'm 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 excited to watch uh, Lupin the Third the first, which is a mouthful. Um, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of numbers like Lupin the Third Part Four. It's hard to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, Lupin, Lupin the third or Lupin the third, the woman called Fujiko Mine. Um, yeah, it, it happens a lot. But anyway, anyway, uh, let's let's wrap, wrap this episode up. We're, we're getting a little <laughs> so, lost in the weeds here. <laughs> yes, we are. So if you would like to reach out to us, you can find everything that we have ever done at the more All 11 years of content almost 12 almost 12 oh my gosh my lucky number uh at the more you can tweet to us i guess for now at the more at the more on twitter facebook.com slash the more nerd and you can of course email us the more you nerd at gmail.com that's the more you nerd at gmail.com but honestly the best place to find us I uh, see Miles and I are part of this other group called Cosmic Crit, a fun Starfinder tabletop RPG podcast. And we have this fantastic discord that uh, all of our Crittermanders, our Cosmic Crit fans are a part of. And you could be a part of it, too. Even if you don't listen to that show, Miles and I get bored at work and we talk about it, talk about stuff a lot there. We did a podcast planning meeting today that happened just in the <laughs> discord. And you yeah. can be a part of those conversations. Go to CosmicCrit.com and find the Discord link there. Yeah. And, and there's come, a more Nerd channel. There's a whole more Nerd channel. Come and hang out with us because we would love to talk to you as well. Um, and with that said, Miles, it is time now to end the show as we always do with a rousing nerd, nerd out. out.